who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about presidential inaugurations. So grab your joint congressional committee. And let's get civical. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. And what a first week of January it's been. This is not what I wanted. This is not January 2021. This is Ooh. like December 2020 2.0. I am not yeah. ready. I was not yeah. prepared. No. Wednesday, I, I'm sure like all of you, was quite frankly... <laughs> Like, shaking. I was a little shaken by Wednesday. I was... Yeah. I was... Well, because it, cause it happened, it, you know, it seemed like it happened in such a slow boil. Like, when I became yeah. aware of what was going on, I was like, oh, my God. The, you know, the pro- the the thing is happening at the Capitol. Like, you know, what started out as a protest um, obviously did not end as a protest. But I was like, oh, this, oh, this thing that I had known was coming was happening. Apparently, you know, security didn't know it was happening, but I knew that it was coming <laughs> this day. I was like, oh, it's happening, you know, and I'm, I had a very busy work day. So I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. And then, you know, I maybe I checked Twitter. I don't know, but I checked Twitter and I was like, oh, this, oh, 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 okay. So they've now they're in the Capitol. Okay. That's right. How interesting. And then I, it was just like this kind of slow burn of like, like of getting more serious uh, as far as like people's lives being in danger and finally when it you know when you were kind of seeing those images of like the standoff between the security guys like in the literal house chamber yeah um versus the people trying to get in i was like they're gonna kill them Mm. like this might be like that's when the the thought first 
came to me. I was like, they're, they're, somebody's going to kill these people. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, that's not what occurred, although you know, people died tragically. But it was just, it was, it was almost, I couldn't really under process what was happening and the severity of what was happening until mm-hmm. that moment where I was like, wait a second, these aren't just like a bunch of ruckus people who are like just trying to like, you know, see how far they can go. Right. This is, this is a literal massive crime unfolding in front of me and like, yeah. Oh, and all of, all of Congress is there. They were all there. Mike Pence is there. Yes, yes. When they were like, they were like, Pence is in an undisclosed bunker. Pelosi's in an undisclosed bunker. I was like, oh my god, if they're in the undisclosed bunkers, bunker? we're in a tough spot. And then this of course is you're looking good. around, being like, where are the helicopters? Seriously, N- not one, nay, one helicopter. Not a helicopter. <laughs> I like, <laughs> and I, I've, I've had a lot of conversations about it, and I've kind of come down on the side of you know, because not that I, I definitely think that they're was more to do. They should have done more. They could have done more. Absolutely. Where are the helicopters? But I know there are a lot of, like, I feel like the people I've talked to about it are like, why didn't they, like the Capitol police have weapons? Why didn't they pull their weapons and all of that? Sure. And like, why didn't they Well, try- at the end of the day, it shouldn't have just been them there. You know, that no. was the whole thing. It's like no. the, the National Guard or whomever should have already been, been there, there because we yes. all knew yes. that this thing, there's sirens literally going off right now outside my house. So it's like a great underscore for what we're talking about. Love a soundtrack. But like you, we all, we all read the same news. Like yeah. we, we knew this whole day was happening. There should have been more, like, security yes. present. In ca- not, I mean, I don't think anybody expected them to storm the Capitol, but just even if within the actual gathering, things turned violent. And and it's so interesting because there obviously are the videos of, you know, police taking selfies with these people and you know sort of the laissez-faireness surrounding it and then there's also like really disturbing video footage of cops being harmed yeah like very brutally by the by the mob let's call them so it it, to have this two these two extreme experiences happening is also what's like i don't understand how at the front of the capitol they're like super chill whatever but in the back of the capitol like their fellow men in arms are being physically yeah. harmed yeah by these people so it's such a breakdown of of it, yeah it just can't it just i feel like that was a culmination of like wow this is the culmination of a complete and total breakdown of yeah. america like we just had our our darkest moment <laughs> i mean hopefully it's the darkest hopefully. moment <laughs> i hope it doesn't get any you know i hope it doesn't get any worse but like yeah i also had this feeling where like I don't know. I'm sure you saw that video of, like, the single Capitol policeman who was, like, backing up as he walked up the stairs. Yeah. Like, radio, radioing to his colleagues to be like, yeah. we're coming up this floor. We're coming like next floor, next floor. And he's calling in for reinforcements. But I had this moment because some people have been like, why didn't they, like, get out their guns? They have guns. Why didn't they shoot them? And I was like, I, I think it would have been... In a way, so much worse, obviously, the minute that you introduce, like, loaded weapons. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, that single cop would have died. Yeah, like, into a crowd would of have people who for sure are armed. Yeah. For sure, probably with multiple weapons. Like, 
I just feel like the as much as we they did not do enough, but I also feel like closed the circle about like what was appropriate action that wasn't taken and what do we kind of expect. Like I don't I think it was right that they didn't open fire, but I also feel oh, like I do yes, too. where are the helicopters? Where are the non-lethal force force, you know, actions and all of that yeah. stuff? But yeah. I think so too. And but it's again, that's what I'm talking about, like the differences of experiences that, that yeah. we saw with the police versus the mob, because you have that one which I saw, but then you also have the video of them opening the gates. Mm-hmm. Did you see that video? No. So at the front of the Capitol there's like, you know, the barricades mm-hmm. and you see them open the gates. Wow. And then there's even and in the and of course the video of them taking selfies. Like that ex- no, no, no. those which no. again it's like, you know, those are just a few a, a, gr- a small portion of like the larger response to this. Yeah. And shouldn't be indicative of like the the team as a whole, but it's like those guys put their fellow man, the guy the single guy who's bagging up the guys yeah. who were in the house chamber with their guns drawn, you know, put them in so much danger. Yeah. And also even furthermore just the whole, who is it, the Pentagon who has to respond to this sort of stuff? Like, the people who should be... I don't understand why we don't have the entire army in front of the Capitol in under two minutes. Like, how is that not a drill? That's... Yeah. No. Like, and the fact that they had to go... The, like, the governor of Virginia had to be like, we will send the National Guard. Yeah. We will send officers. And then Maryland did the same. Well, because the mayor of D.C. can't send out the National Guard. It has to be... The, f- the federal government has to approve it. It's the only yeah. the only situation where that's the case because all the governors can deploy them. Mm-hmm. But because Washington, D.C. is not a state, which brings up the whole argument of D.C. statehood, the mayor oh. of D.C. could not call in the National Guard. Do you remember we were there in October of last, of what, 2019, when it was like, mm-hmm. you know, we went to the House Gallery, we went through security. I mean, there are multiple levels of security that you have to yeah. go through. And you're just... yeah. I saw those people coming through statuary hall with the flags and I was like, man, they like, they confiscated my water. Like they they didn't take your water. Like that's, I mean, it was just kind of, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. It was a surreal moment. Surreal. And definitely, you know, let's investigate what happened. Let's try the people who need to be tried. I, you know, like Try people for treason. I mean, like... Put, oh, like, my God. Love a treason. Love a treason love trial. Love a treason trial. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's... I, I'm talking, like, the, you know, the mob, people of the mob, but then also, like, if we investigate and find that, like, there were certain police officers who just, like, opened these gates for these people to come in and they knew what they were... Yeah. Go- like, do it. I mean... Because sure. sometimes a tactic in politics is, like, if you give it... If you recognize what's going on and you give it space and you give it voice and you give it legitimacy, but this is not one of those times. This no, is a time to like insane. you quelch the fire. You, yeah, you have respond to respond with force. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, we had we had talked about, you know, basically seeing if we could do some sort of educational episode about what happened. Right now, the answer is no, not yet. I think there's Not so yet. much still left to shake out, especially over the next week or two. Yep. Uh, so we decided to go with another pressing topic <laughs> that simply we have to do because it is, regardless of if you like it or not, like officially coming up. Um uh, that is the presidential inauguration of Joe Biden. So we are oh. doing an inauguration episode to talk about how you plan an inauguration, the ins and outs of it. Because, I mean, this whole thing started 
because they were counting, they were doing the literal, They're like, do- like ceremonial yep. counting of the electoral ballots. Like, truly. Cere- ceremonial, but, like, absolutely required by law. Oh, yes. No, no, no. I yeah. know. But it's normally just this thing where it's, like, it, it's never changed. Yes. Like, the the this moment where they count the ballots and because the, the constitution requires them to has never changed a presidential outcome because yes. it's once they're certified by the states like that's you know pretty much done that's pretty much it usually but uh but yeah but that you know had an obvious a little bit of a delay but ended up happening and it's done mm-hmm. and joe biden is officially going to be the next president of the united states um which we've known since november but has been reconfirmed in several different formats And that's going to happen on January 20th. So we're just going to talk about, like, what to expect, how it's going to all shake out, inaugurations of the past. Mm -hmm. And if you hear a helicopter, it is because there is one just swirling around my neighborhood right now. And, you know, they don't know that I'm recording and trying to do a podcast, but here we are. Radio and tell them, X name, helicopter A. Breaker, breaker, nine, nine, I'm recording. Please stop. (laughs) Please cease and desist. You know, so we're working with the elements uh, and that's just what it is. But let's let's kick it off. Arden, do you want to talk about the sources for today's episode? Yes. So today we got some stuff coming from the Today Show. I love it. I Yes. A, a first for us, but I'm very excited. Uh, an article by Scott Stump. And then we have a uh, Washington Post article, which was the source that we used for all of the Biden-related inaugural ceremony stuff. It was an article by Emily Davies and Matt Viser. And then the other sources are government agencies and various websites. One is the architect of the Capitol. I love Very it. involved in this process, the architect of the Capitol. Obsessed with this. Obsessed. The Joint Congressional Committee on, Inaug- on Inaugural Ceremonies. That is so hard to say. Joint inaugural? Congressional Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies. Yeah. It's the I'm on not... inaugural that's... Yeah. Inaugural is already not an easy word, and I will mess it up several times in this episode. So please bear with us. Yep. So the Joint Congressional Committee. And then last but not least, the White House Historical Association had a lot to say about inaugurations, as you would expect. Great. I love it. Well, let's kick it off with just the simple logistics of an inauguration. These notes are coming from the architect of the Capitol and the White House Historical Association primarily. So shout out to those two. So kicking us off. The 20th Amendment to the Constitution specifies that the term of each elected president of the United States begins at noon on January 20th of the year following the election. Each president must take the oath of office before assuming the duties of the position. I love that it's noon. It's a great hour for me. It's when I feel my best. They can sleep in. They won't, but I could sleep in. Like, there's a lot that can happen. It is a reasonable yeah, it's just time. It's really period. leisurely morning. Yeah. It is not this like we're going to do, uh, you know, an address at 9 p.m. because we got to make yeah. sure California is still awake for no, it. No, get up. Honey. No, get, get up. up. They can get up early. Rise and shine. Got, Rise got... and shine. Yes. Constitutional guidelines for inaugurations are sparse. <laughs> what? I'm Shock. sorry. Never in my dizziest daydreams could I even possibly imagine that the guidelines would be sparse, but yet nope. here we are. Offering only the date and the words of the oath. 
all else is driven by tradition. It's like an improv. Give me a yes. word. Yes. <laughs> give me a word. Give me a space. Uh, grocery give me a store, word. Spatula. Okay. Uh, yep. All right. I'm cooking breakfast. You know. <laughs> After the oath is administered, administered. Oh my god. I can't know, say that. After the oath is administered, <laughs> that's I'm going to leave it in. The president gives an address, usually one stressing national unity. <laughs> I would hope so. Like, I you got to start so. off at unity, you know? <laughs> what else do you talk about? Like, hey, Seriously, guys. thank you very much. I'd like to start off by, otherwise you run into like a Frank Costanza situation where it's like, I want to talk about how you all have made me mad for the past. Sure. Do you know, it's like. I want to talk what about my enemies. Do? I want to address specifically my enemies, foreign yes. and domestic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With the 2017 inauguration of Trump, the oath has been taken 72 different times by 45 presidents of the United States. This numerical discrepancy results chiefly from two factors. One, a president must take the oath at the beginning of each term of office. And two, because inauguration day has sometimes fallen on a Sunday... Four presidents, Hayes, Wilson, Eisenhower, and Reagan, have taken the oath privately before the public inaugural settings. So there's... They t- Just wait. Why do they got to take it on a... Su- this is they where can't I can't wait. Stand. They have to do it on the thing. I know, but I'm also like, this is where I can't stand how we are with the Constitution sometimes. I'm like, you guys, you know that they meant for this to be done on a weekday. So, like, <laughs> just what round up. If it's January 21st, no one will die. The Founding Fathers will be fine if you do this on Monday instead Hamilton of Sunday. Hamilton would for sure roll over in his grave. And that's fine because he's already rolling over about other things. We've already failed it's true. Alexander it's true. He's Hamilton. Already, he's he's rolled over 18,000 times I in mean, the in last the grand scheme weeks. of things, we've already failed the entire canon of founding fathers. So I think just doing it on January 21st is going to be the least of their worries. Should they rise from the grave <laughs> and take a gander at what's going on? Oh, my God. Trust me. They're not going to be sitting there being like, and you know what? What really grinds my gears <laughs> that you did this on 21st when we specifically we wrote January you. 20th. Yeah. Anywho. So anyways, 45 presidents, 72 oaths have been taken. Yeah. You do the math. Some people have done it twice because they've been elected to two terms. Some people have done it twice because we can't do it on a Sunday. We have to do it privately and then publicly. Yep. So here we go. Yep. In addition... President Arthur took the oath privately following the death of President Garfield and again two days later at the Capitol. That I understand. Like, you know, you have to do it. Like, it's the same with LBJ. Like, you have to do it in the moment. You know, they died. Like, you you can't plan that. That's fine. The oaths administered to date have been taken place at the following locations. U.S. Capitol, 55 times. East Portico, 34 times. Hall of the House of Representatives, six times. Senate chamber, three times. West front, eight times. East front of original Senate wing, one time. President's room, one time. Rotunda, one time. Vice president's room, one time. White House, six times. Mm -hmm. Old brick capital, which is the site of the current Supreme Court building, one time. Washington, D.C., not at the Capitol or the White House, two times. And outside Washington, D.C., Seven times. Yep. That adds up. 
It adds up. I would yeah. hope. <laughs> 72 Most of those, times. Usually it happens at the Capitol. Yeah. Makes total sense. It seems like that's, if we have our way and it's just a normal, we elect somebody, they mm-hmm. win, the transit, you know, like there's no kind of extenuating circumstances, then we have it at the Capitol. Yep. You know, like once upon a time, maybe sometimes we throw it in one of the chambers of Congress. Yep. You know, but before the most... thing was completed, we had it someplace yeah. else. We had we're, it. We're what, aiming yep. for the Capitol. Yep. Yep. That's what we're aiming. Doing. Yep. So the architect. So now we're going to talk about like process of planning for the inauguration. The architect of the Capitol erects the inaugural platform on the Capitol's west front and sets up the necessary seating and fencing on the grounds and coordinates other activities with the Joint Congressional Committee on the Inaugural Ceremonies, which is, the acronym is JCCIC, but, like, that's I don't even, that's not helpful. Basically a word. As, yeah, that's not helpful to me. There's too many in there. I can't do that. <laughs> that regarding, so they go to the Joint Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies regarding all of the physical arrangements that are necessary to accommodate the event. So basically the architect of the Capitol is, like, you know. It's the party planning committee. It's the party planning committee because they're the ones who, like, are in charge of, like, the physical structures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's their job. So they work with the joint committee. Since 1901, and in accordance with the 20th Amendment of the United States Constitution, the Joint Congressional Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies has been responsible for planning and executing the inaugural ceremonies of the president-elect and the vice president-elect of the United States at the Capitol. So it's been most of our history, like half of our history. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, we need somebody to plan this. I don't want to do it. Let's assign it to a member of Congress and call it a day. Let's call it a day. Because honestly, like it's gotten so big. There's too many things to coordinate. It's not just, you know, JQA, like on a platform anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not just a, you know. a Yeah. We don't just like stand on some steps and like sort of yell out a couple of words it's not just like you you wheel in the pulpit you leave the pulpit no right there's more right until the 20th century the inaugural ceremonies had been handled exclusively by the united states senate seems would be a problem in our Hmm. current year sure so and then in 1901 100 years after the inauguration of thomas jefferson the joint committee was formed to plan and conduct inauguration ceremonies at the u.s capitol Senator Marcus A. Hanna, a Republican from Ohio, became the first chairman responsible for planning President William McKinley's second inauguration. I love that they kind of gave them a softball. It's like, this isn't his first, this is his second. Yep. Like, we can't, you know, we'll, we're going to learn a lot. Yeah. So if it doesn't all go according to plan, it's fine. He's already had one inauguration. It like, fine. It's fine. You know. He's already we're president. Chill. You really he's can't president. He's had the bells and whistles. Like, we're just here to kind of see what works and see what doesn't work and kind yeah. of, you know, do a, do a trial run. See I if love this that works better than just, like, the Senate planning it. Sure. So the current members of the Joint Committee, it's a Joint Committee, so it's that means that it's uh, members of the House and members of the Senate. And then, obviously, of course, that means that there's uh, members of both parties, so Republicans and Democrats I'm just are on saying this, this list that you're about to name is the most chaotic list of people oh, I've wild. ever seen. It's wild. Like, this is, this is literally, like, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, it, uh-huh. <laughs> except it's more than four people. But, like, that's the level... <laughs> Like, can you ima- – I can't even imagine these people in a room, but go ahead and name the list No, of no, no. The okay. fact that there's, like, an email chain happening with these people on it that are like, hey, it's what so are we doing insane. about the inauguration yeah. is bananas. 
just, be just an read it. let the people let the people in okay so the current members of the joint congressional inaugural committee are representative roy blunt who is a republican from missouri he's the chair of the committee senator mitch mcconnell we know and we love him. him senator amy klobuchar nor we love her speaker nancy pelosi out of the bunker Representative in the House Steny Hoyer, who we saw speak on the floor of the House we when did we were see there. Speak on the, yeah, they and were like, "Steny, you have two minutes," and he spoke for ten. <laughs> for ten, and literally nobody stopped him. He's a Democrat from Maryland. Representative Kevin McCarthy, who is a Republican from California. Just <laughs> a just wild. Can't I can't imagine. I thought that they were going to throw this this committee assignment to like a lower level like member of congress you know like a freshman or whatever but then when i saw like all of these people i was like oh we're bringing in the big guns oh this is the big guns this is is just the craziest list of people doing anything together yep i mean i feel like if this group of people can come together to inaugurate joe biden Mm -hmm. we can get through this we can get through this we can get through this if this group of six individuals can somehow manage to get it together and we get through the inauguration and there's a you know a peaceful transfer of power we can get through this as a nation for sure but you know what frustrates me and this is just a little tangent that i'm gonna go on because you're right like all of these people you know when we see them speak are in such like very opposite sides of the spectrum right Mm -hmm. you know obviously like you have your Mitch McConnell's and your Kevin McCarthy's and then you have your Nancy Pelosi's and Amy Klobuchar. You know, we're talking about very vocal people of their party. Yeah. All of these people, I guarantee you, are very close friends. Oh, yeah. They are all very close friends. So this idea that we that we are told, like, oh, we just need to come together and whatever, whatever. It's like, no, no, you guys are already friends, but you like to pretend that you're not friends because you have to, like... And it happens on both sides because you have to, like, mm-hmm. please your your constituents and show, oh, I hate the Republicans or, oh, I hate the Democrats. Meanwhile, you are all lifelong friends. You have been friends for decades. Like, you come out. You come out and say, you know what? I respect you a lot. Either one. Either one. Both ways would be great. It's just, it's really like, it's that insane. Anymore. It's like, it's no. like that video. It's that video of, remember what it was, um, was it uh, Lindsey Graham or somebody who's in the back of the car and he's talking about is he talking about obama he's talking about like Mm. he's like a stand-up guy there's there's like that video and then there's the video of you know john mccain when the one when it's during the debate and the woman oh yeah stands up and is like like, he's when biden was um was elected you know they were talking about like how he would do oh that's who lindsey graham's talking about he's talking about joe biden he's talking about like how joe biden is a stand-up guy they've been friends for like 30 years. And the same with Mitch McConnell. They were like, how is Biden going to deal with a Mitch McConnell majority-led Senate back when, you know, that was going to be the case, although it's not now. And and everybody was like, well, they've been very close friends for years. So it's actually, you know, like, obviously there's going to be some, um, like, roadblocks that are put in Biden's way. But at the end of the day, they actually have a pretty good relationship. And I'm like, then what are we doing? (laughs) Then what is the problem? What is the problem, guys? Yes. Why can't we simply have a chat publicly yep. so people can see? Why can't we debate issues anymore, you know? Anyhow, yep. that's my tangent. 
great. Carry on <laughs> with inauguration. I, I love that's no, it's a valid point. It's a valid point. This like they're all friends. They're all friends. They know each other. I'm mm-hmm. sure they've been to dinners together. Mm-hmm. So the joint committee gets agencies support from various or they have partner support from various government agencies. And then, of course, the the presidential inaugural committee, which is a whole separate thing. Um, that's not a government agency. It's a nonprofit, but it's basically the nonprofit that like the campaign funnels their money into to like pay for the inauguration. So in support of the inaugural committees and in coordination with the Joint Congressional Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies, the government publishing office produces the official inaugural tickets, the maps, the invitations, the programs, and other materials. They have a Kinko's. We love mm-hmm. to see it. Yeah. It's the official Kinko's of the inauguration. It really is. It really Bless is. Bless up. Bless up. You're only as good as your marketing. Yes. Listen, if you're doing something spectacular, but you don't publicize it, who will know? Who will know? Who will who come? Will no, nobody. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta shout it from the rooftops. Exactly right. Preparing for an inaugural ceremony involves the participation of every division in the Sergeant at Arms organization. Oh dear, this is a, a tricky spot considering both Sergeant at Arms for the House and the Senate have recently been asked to resign. Yes, because of the uh, issue at the Capitol, but. I, I, I'm sure there's, like, an acting person. Uh, yes, and I'm sure that whoever is, like, under them or whoever is the next in charge will be like, I, we got it. I Yes, inauguration. We know. It's 10 days. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, so yes, we're, yes, we're on yes, it. Yes. We're on it. Yes, 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 yes. Of course, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, of course. The Sergeant-at-Arms staff participate with members of the Joint Committee in planning the protocol and logistical aspects of the event. They coordinate credential distribution, assist in communicating information internally to House members and staff, and provide staffing on the day of the event itself. So the sergeant-at-arms and their staff are very involved in all aspe- aspects, you know. I would hope so. Months in advance and on the day. Mm-hmm. In addition, as a member of the Capitol Police Board, the sergeant-at-arms has a key role. So working with the Senate sergeant-at-arms and the architect of the Capitol, the sergeant-at-arms kind of writ large ensures that security, access, and other logistical arrangements are fully in place in coordination with House and Senate leadership and the members of the Joint Committee. So they're like, they're talking. It's security. They're like, okay, this is okay. I'm doing everything. How many many planes? Which roads are we blocking off? Entrances, exits. Really hope they get this one right. (laughs) I mean, wow. Look, bad dress, good show. (laughs) Bad dress, good show. We learned that. Mm-hmm. We learned that from John Wilkes Booth. Gra- bad, bad dress, good show. Bad dress, good show. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Check out new episodes Mondays and Fridays for a wide variety of topics and news episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rage on. So then the other kind of group that the the Joint Committee works with is the Presidential Inaugural Committee, which we mentioned before. A lot of committees. I just have it's to say. It's so many There's, committees. We couldn't have come – we couldn't have met, merged these to be one committee. 
Like, well, this is no, one of those things where I'm like, is... this could all be in one email. It, I'm sure there is an email chain that they're all on. But this is like, this is the money part of it. Like, I do think it's kind of insane that the person who won, like, has to pay for their inauguration. I mean, sure. I get it to a certain extent because, like, aside from, like, the literal taking of the oath, which is free, all of the stuff that happens afterwards is, like, a big-ass party. So you're like, okay, the government shouldn't be paying for the party, but maybe the government should be paying for, like, the security? I don't know how much sure. the government should Maybe say, Maybe the I, government does provide the security. Maybe it does and provide. The, I don't know. Who's to say? They won't tell us that because, you know, obviously. That's, it's very secretive. There's very little information about, like, the sure. actual logistical planning as there should because be. Because you don't. You we, sh- we shouldn't know that. We shouldn't know the no, logistics. We don't need to know. We are not on a – we are on a need-to-know basis, and that yeah. is not information that Arden and Lizzie need Nobody's right now. Nobody's called me. And you know what? It's one of those things where people are – you know, the people who say, oh, I want to know if, like, aliens are real or, the like, these secret, secret, secrets – I don't want to know that because if I know that, I am a target. I am now somebody <laughs> who knows something. And I never want to be in a position where I am somebody who knows something. Why? Because first of all, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to give it up. Mm-hmm. I-, I would last like walking to a torture chamber, like just the walk to it before I'm like, actually, guys, okay, here, hear me out. Give me a map. I'll draw it. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I'll show you where it's at. I'm not gonna for 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 God and country. No, 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 no. no. I'm not. so sorry. I am not I putting myself. Don't in tell harm's me way. anything. Don't tell me any national security secrets. No, I are just, you joking? I just want to know the only secret that I really want to know, and this is controversial because for many reasons. But I just would like to know who killed Kennedy, even if it's an extreme confirmation that it sure. was. Sure. Lee Harvey Oswald, like... Yeah. I just... There's always a back Look, of part I of my mind that's like, I want to know what happened to D.B. Really Cooper. Really? You know, there's like... There's all sorts of things I want to know. I don't like unsolved stuff. No. I don't like unsolved stuff. No. But I don't, don't want to know where, like, where the 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 designated survivor is going to be. I don't no. want to know that. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that. No. I don't want to know where the aliens are kept. Because no. we all know... That there are aliens. So, like, I don't understand why people make it a big deal. And it's those like are the, you people, know the people who know that shit are the people who die in the movies. I don't want to die like exactly that. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know it. I don't I need, need to, like, know. know it. You know what? You know what I, you know what I like? I want to know things that are unsolved for sure. Yeah. Like, I, like I, wanna, I want confirmation that, that I'm the correct brother. and that the brother killed uh, Jominay Ramsey. I knew, I knew yeah. you were going to say of that. Course. I was like, you I want confirmation. That right. It's. I want to know that I'm right. I want to know that. I want to know that I've solved this case correctly for, you know, several oh, several years now. Yep. But I also, I what I want, I want to be taken to like, when there's a restricted area that visitors mm-hmm. aren't allowed, I want to get in there. Not because I want to learn secrets. I just like to go where people aren't allowed. Yeah. You know, like, like when you, like when I look like at, like at like a, like a castle, right? And you and you like you get to go through like the rooms they show you. I look at a castle and I see like a hundred rooms, a hundred rooms. I want to go in a vacant ass room in the castle. I want to. I want to go in the rooms show I'm not allowed to go. The goddamn dungeon. I want to see a dungeon. I, I want to see. I want to see the kitchen. Love a four I want to see, see a bathroom. Oh. I want to see yes. a bathroom. Yep. Like I just I think about that all the time of like the the rooms that that visitors aren't allowed to go in. I want to go in those rooms, even if it's just storage. I want to go in the room. I want to see it. I want, I want, like, like, the place where it's my 
literal dream to do this, to just be able to roam, is Alcatraz, obviously. I just want to be given the key to the island, and they say, go. What is Alcatraz now? It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, you, it's a prison. You, oh, well, not an active prison, but you but tour it. Oh, you tour it. Okay, great. I was like, can yeah, you, you it's can like preserved as, yeah, right. you, oh, yeah. <laughs> Famously, I went there in the, uh. Oh, that's right. You did go the summer there. I of knew that. 2019. Yep. And yep, it was yep. kind of me sort of fulfilling my destiny. But like, I want to go where I'm not allowed to go in Alcatraz uh-huh. prison. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to walk into any cell. I want to go back. Yeah, I want to see, I want to see like rooms. Yep. I want to see like I want to see the broom closet. I think this is why people really love and I am on board with this. Love a good ruin. Like show sure. me a show me a good ruin that's like still standing that like you know, 75% at least it's not going to fall if I walk into it. Yeah. Would 100% do it. Yeah. I uh, yeah. So, I don't want to know natural secrets, but I do like like we I I haven't like the the you know, the US Capitol. I just yes. want to be able to walk around the U.S. Capitol. Not to do anything, not to touch anything, not to take anything. But I just want to be able to walk around in any room where I'm not allowed to go. Yep. Because I want to take the cool. train. I want to take the, I want to take the train that only members of Congress are allowed to take, you know, mm-hmm. or the White House. I want to go into, because you there's what, like 82 bedrooms or something crazy like that? I want to see I want to go into one of the 82 bedrooms. Yes. I don't need to be in Lincoln's bedroom. I don't need to be in George Washington's bedroom. Well, he didn't have a bedroom. I don't need to be in, you know, like Ronald Reagan's bedroom. I just want to go to a guest bedroom mm-hmm. and just look at it and just be like, oh, it's a guest bedroom. Or also, one of do, the like, do they have guests that sleep over? Like if I was a friend of the president, could I be like, hey, yo, I'm going to be in DC. Can I crash in your place? Is that like, how does that work? I'm sure you can. If, if I, if, so, if you were the president of the United States, right? I would literally say to you, Arden, I'm A, coming over and B, staying the night. What is the point of knowing somebody <laughs> who is the president of the United States and, and, not being able to sleep at the White House. No, what that's the is whole, the point of that, that relationship? Is the perk. From the perspective of the friend of the president, if you currently are a friend of the president, any president that has passed, you know, in the in the past or in the future, and they don't invite you to stay the night at the White House, they're not your friend. That is a dead friendship. I would invite everybody to the White House mm-hmm. if I was president. I would invite you. I would invite. I would invite people I, invite I don't even like street. just to be like. LOL, this you is see where my, I am now. Like, this yeah. is my life I would now. Everybody just spend the night at the White House. Be a massive party at the White House. Yeah, I do it. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm fairly certain people stay at the White House. I I hope it so. doesn't make sense for them not to. It just feels like there's so a many waste of space. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, back to inaugurations. Back to inaugurations. <laughs> so we've talked about the government publishing office. We've talked about the sergeant at arms, the Senate sergeant at arms. So now we're back at the presidential inaugural committee, which is a nonprofit organization representing the president elect and is organized following the November election. The presidential inaugural committee has responsibility for official inaugural events other than those held at the Capitol. This includes organizing and funding the inaugural pr- parade and any official inaugural balls and galas, which hashtag will not be happening this year. No. But usually there are parties. Yes. Fancy, fancy. It's a big to-do. And all of that is coordinated and paid for by the presidential inaugural committee. 
The Joint Committee also works with the Capitol Police. We now know them intimately. The Capitol Police supports the inaugural ceremonies with event security, credentialing, visitor screening at the U.S. Capitol, and coordinating with its numerous local, state, and federal law enforcement partners to ensure that the event proceeds safely and securely as planned. Please, please, let's Let's really... Let's really Focus hone on in this on story. this part of it. How Are yep. we sure they've worked out all the kinks? It's a good thing we're in a pandemic. That's all I'll Do say. we... Because the, start, the startling thing to me about all of the stuff on... I mean, not the most startling thing, obviously, but something that I was like, huh, was that the, there's no, like, Capitol Police procedure, or at least the members of Congress were not aware that it exists if it does, of, like, what the people inside are supposed to do in the sure. event that the building gets taken over, yeah, is held hostage, is whatever, in the event of like a mass event like that, like there were people just like members of Congress just being like, "Yo, yeah, Bill, come over in here. We're all in here. We're huddling under the desks, like yeah. a buddy system." Like there were literally members of Congress on TV being like, "We made buddy systems," and I was like, "Okay, I feel like we need to go over drills." <laughs> the moment of the crisis is not the moment to be like, "We have no policy and we have right. no plans." So right. I feel like again, the Capitol Police. I'm going to give you a second shot with the inauguration but i feel like we need an investigation and some kind of like new list just, of policies just give me uh give me the plan what's the plan what mm-hmm. is the plan what's the plan for sure what's the plan we gotta have a plan always have a plan yep but let's talk about the evolution of inaugurations because obviously what we do in 2021 is not what we did back in 17 hamanasha Mm-hmm. So let's start off on April 30th, 1789. George Washington took the oath of office in New York City because obviously Washington, D.C. was not yet where we were. No, it was a swamp. Later, he said of this new presidential role, quote, I walk on untrodden ground, end quote. Correct, George. Man, if you would. Inauguration Day began with the sounds of ceremonial artillery, uh, cannons, and Mm -hmm. church bells ringing across New York City, our nation's first capital. At noon, Washington made his way through large crowds to Federal Hall, where both houses of Congress were assembled. On the second floor balcony facing the street, he was administered the oath of office by Robert R. Livingston, the Chancellor of New York, and officially became the first President of the United States. That sounds very, that sounds fun. That sounds nice. You're on a balcony. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. And there we go. Mm -hmm. There you go. Off off to the races. So then a little bit later in 1801, Thomas Jefferson was the first to be sworn in as president in Washington, D.C. The location chosen for the permanent capital. If you haven't listened to our episode on the U.S. Capitol, it is so great. Yep. After his second inauguration in 1805, Jefferson rode on horseback from the Capitol to the president's house amid music and a spontaneous gathering of mechanics from a nearby Navy yard, a procession that grew into into today's inaugural parade. I love how he was like, I'm just going to hop on horseback and ride home. And people were like, aren't you the president? And we're just kind of following along. (laughs) And they're like, is this a parade? <laughs> is this a parade? I love that the and mechanics suddenly it was at the a parade. yard were like, what's going on here? And they're yeah. just like, oh, it's the president. Join me. What's up, Mr. President? Yeah. Let's just yeah. walk with them. 
Inaugural events, including parades, have become more elaborate over the years and have evolved into spectacular entertainments. Selection of parade participants is a traditional way for the president to make a statement about his belief, as Abraham Lincoln did in 1865 by inviting African Americans to march for the first time. Yep. Activities have been broadened to include a cross-section of the American population. Receptions, balls, and other public events reflect the president's need to include many diverse groups in the transition of power, even at times officially sanctioned protesters. I don't think we're going to have officially sanctioned protesters this year, but you never know. More than a celebration of one person's rise to power, modern inaugurations validate the republic's democratic process. Modern inaugural festivities reflect not only the presidents they honor, but also the desire of many Americans to celebrate our nation's rich history and the transfer of presidential power. So this is coming from the White House. That whole thing was coming from the White House Historical Association, which is why it sounded so very flowery and very very flowery. Very. This is a very monumental event. It is a monumental event. And, you know, big deal. Big, big deal. Yeah. Especially, I feel like this year. Yeah. Especially this year. This year, you know, 2017 felt like a big year for that, where we just, you know, like a, a big swath of the country was like, we're going to watch, the, like, watched Trump assume the presidency. And it felt like this is the right thing to do. But also, I'm having such a hard time doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Just emotionally, exactly right. I'm feeling conflicted, you know. And then this year feels like, you know, we're going to take it back, but also just democratically feels like, like I just that January 20th also is not supposed to be a great day astrologically. So I am happy. I feel like the planets, there's like the planets are doing things and I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, God, oh, we just have to get through it. Really we just have to get through it. We're going to we're going to do it. So I'm sure that you, that our fair listeners have heard that Trump is not attending Joe Biden's inauguration. Sure. Um, if you haven't heard that, congratulations. Where is the rock you're living under? Vice President Mike Pence has said that he plans to attend the inauguration. Yes. So he will be there. Which Trump I think will is not be correct. there. Uh huh. Which is correct. The last Republican president has George W. Bush is also planning on attending the inauguration. So it's you know it's. Fairly unusual for a president to not attend the inauguration of the newly elected and sworn in president. And the last time that this happened when a president didn't go was 152 years ago. And it's only happened four times in history, which is kind of amazing considering like all of the tumultuous elections that happened very early on. Sure. You know, there's that. So the first time it happened was uh, John Adams, 1801. He was this the nation's... doesn't surprise me, even no, a little bit. No, he was a Never got a child. hug. He was... Never got a hug. No, he was just not welcomed in the world in the way that he maybe needed. He wasn't validated. Yep. The nation's second president did not attend the inauguration for its third president, Thomas Jefferson. This is all coming from the Today Show. Quote, Adams never made it clear why he left the White House at 4 a.m. on the morning of Jefferson's inauguration on March 4th, 1801. But he was never formally invited to the ceremony, according to the White House Historical Association. Well, Sounds dang. like a breakup. Sure. 
Sure. Jefferson's win came after an extremely partisan and outright nasty election in 1800 as Adams sought a second term, according to the Library of Congress. Jefferson was Adams' own vice president and defeated him before the House of Representatives broke an electoral tie between Jefferson and his running mate Aaron Burr, making Jefferson president and Burr vice president. A lot of parallels there. Oh, uh, yeah. After that, it wasn't until 1829 when John Quincy Adams, John Adams' <laughs> just, son, I just... Another one who didn't get a hug, didn't get a hug. Break the generational <laughs> trauma, my friends. Honestly. Like, hug your children, validate their emotions so they don't stand up in inauguration. Although this one, read this one and yeah. The son, so John Quincy Adams in 1829, who's the son of John Adams, refused to attend the inauguration of his successor, Andrew Jackson, whom he had previously defeated in 1824. I also wouldn't attend the inauguration of President Andrew Jackson. What a dick. Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. So you know what? JQA and I, we don't normally agree on things. He did not get a hug. But you know what? At least he could see that Andrew Jackson was a was piece a of shit. Piece mm-hmm. of shit. Sorry, sorry. If you have a preciousness about Andrew Jackson, wake up. It's morning. Hello. Come on. Continue. (laughs) Thank you for that. Jackson won the popular vote in 1824, but didn't have enough electoral college votes to be elected, which left the decision to the House of Representatives, similar to the situation between John Adams, the father, and Thomas Jefferson. The House elected Quincy Adams, which Jackson later called a corrupt bargain after rumors that House Speaker Henry Clay and John Quincy Adams had struck a deal to elect Quincy Adams as president. So there was a lot of... Look, you didn't play the game, Andrew. You didn't play the game. You lost the game. You lost the game. Then in 1841, Martin Van Buren, a Democrat, did not attend the 1841 inauguration of William Henry Harrison, a Whig, for reasons that remain unclear because the two appeared friendly. Maybe so, he was busy. He was maybe, maybe he busy. had a pre- prior engagement, even though this date is on the books. Yes. So I don't know. They just it was seems like an odd one. Van Buren mm-hmm. and Harrison met at the White House twice in the days leading up to the inauguration, including Van Buren hosting him for dinner, according to the White House Historical Association. Van Buren missed watching Harrison deliver the longest inaugural address in history, lasting an hour and forty five minutes. I bet you Van Buren was like, this guy knows how to chat. He knows how to chat. I know it's going to be long. I know it's going to be long. Let's just send him a basket of flowers. But you know that he is a chatty Kathy and I don't need to sit there in the cold. Because it is January two hours. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And last but not least, Andrew Johnson, 1869. Johnson is the most recent president who declined to appear at his successor's inauguration after he refused to attend the ceremony for Ulysses S. Grant in the post-Civil War era. What a shock. I know. What a shock. Honestly, don't come, Andrew. Don't come. Johnson was a Democrat from Tennessee. He ascended to the presidency after Republican President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated in 1865. His unpopularity in his own party resulted in in him not even securing the nomination in the 1868 election. President Johnson and uh, Donald Trump share the fact that both were impeached by the House of Representatives during their one term and both were acquitted by the Senate. So some overlaps. Some, some parallels and they both won't attend their successor's inauguration. Don't come. Don't come. If you're mad, don't come. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, we don't need you there. Don't come. If the inauguration is not for you, don't get inaugurated. And don't it's come. just like gay marriage. If you don't like gay marriage, don't get gay married. It's okay. You don't need to get gay married. You don't, you don't need, need to get gay married. 
It's not for you. It's not for you. So speaking of the Biden inauguration, we've been talking about it a lot. Let's talk about the the details that are basically coming up in the next, God, it's like less than 10 days away now, which is insane. Insane. So this is coming from a Washington Post article by Emily Davies and Matt Beiser. Quote, D.C. Mayor Muriel E. Bowser, who is a Democrat, released a letter Sunday urging Chad Wolf, who is the acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, to take a, quote, very different approach than previous inaugurations, giving the chaos, injury, and death experienced at the United States Capitol during the insurrection Bowser asked the department to extend the NSSE period and coordinate with other federal agencies to free up the D.C. police to focus on its local mission. She also called on Wolf to cancel and deny permits for all demonstration from Monday to January 24th. Military officials have erected a seven-foot fence designated to prevent scaling around the periphery of the U.S. Capitol. More than 6,000 National Guardsmen were expected to arrive at the district over the weekend to support the D.C. police and the Capitol Police. U.S. Secretary Ryan McCarthy said on Thursday, The focus on fortification and security may further scale down an event already limited in size by the pandemic. The Presidential Inaugural Committee requested and received permits for Lafayette Square, portions of the mall from 3rd to 14th Streets, land surrounding the Lincoln Memorial and the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial, among others, for the inauguration. The permit requests include plans for a Biden-Harris inaugural celebration at the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial and an event with stages and tents at the Lincoln Memorial. But even before the pro-Trump attempted insurrection at the Capitol, Biden's inaugural team had announced that the iconic parade would be virtual and canceled all in-person balls. So, you know, putting... Yes, because he's a responsible president. Exactly right. So putting the capital situation aside, this is already being planned to be, and and they've drawn parallels to how the um, Democratic National uh, Convention was, which was very, very, ver- almost entirely virtual, uh-huh. um, and drawing parallels to that event and how they're going to kind of do that approach that they did for that event with this event, which is probably including videos and whatnot from all 50 states and, you know, including the entire United States of America. But I don't foresee a giant gathering at all. I do foresee an emphasis on social distancing for any people who are there. I wouldn't even be surprised if he was had a mask on while he was receiving the oath of office, who he will, who is, it's normally the, um, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, so we will probably see John Roberts administering that. I haven't heard anything to the contrary. Hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's happening. It'll be a week from when this comes out is when this is happening. And, you know, my, I just, I just want it to happen and I just don't want there to be any, like, security threats, honestly. Like, I just don't, yes, I just don't want there to be any violence. Like, yeah. we, like we marched, you know, the kind of the left-leaning, ideologically-minded people marched after Trump won and was inaugurated. But, like, we walked. Like, that's all we did. And we walked in the streets sure. and we got permits and, like, you know, it wasn't like... Nobody died. Nobody died. There was no violence. It was peaceful. Nobody died. But even more specifically, no cops died. Yes. No 
cops died. Yep. And any Black Lives Matter, any women's march, no cops have died. Mm-hmm. So that is just a very important point to uh, highlight for our, you know, capital mob, shall we say. Capital mob. Oh, my goodness. Yep. You guys, that's inaugurations. We're going to watch one. <laughs> I hope you watch. Like, it's been yeah, planned. I'm very for curious. A- I'm really curious. It's been in the works for about a year because that's how long it takes to plan some of these things. It's going to be yeah. different because of COVID. It's going to be different because of the insurrection at the Capitol. And it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. And quite frankly, if it's boring AF, I will be happy. That is exactly what this country needs, is a full-on snooze fest. Yep. That is exactly what this country needs. Yep. And it will, I, I mean, what an important signal. You know, I just, I feel like regardless of if you, you know, you voted for Trump or not, like you, ha- I feel like m- the majority of people have to want this phase of transferring from Biden to Trump to be, or from Trump to Biden to be over. Yes. Like it's just, ex- I mean, even if you... Even if you wanted Trump to win, like, this has to be exhausting to you. You simply, I feel like, who doesn't want this to just be done, done with? Over. Switch just it. Just done. Switch with. Them up. Just switch them up. It's we done. It's over. We've we done everything. Places. Change it up. We've done everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm, ex- I'm excited for that. I'm super curious to see what it's, you know, what it's going to be like. And we will keep you posted on updates and things that we hear and, you know, looking forward to it but in the meantime we love you guys so so much and if you like what you heard you can find us on twitter and instagram at let's get civical you can rate us you can review us you can subscribe to us we love you so so much and we will see you next wednesday goodbye